Hey guys, it's Sean O'Connell, the managing editor at Cinema Blend and co-host of the Real Blend podcast, here to introduce you to a bonus episode that we kind of teased in the original show and then it came together, so we're really happy to bring it to you. It is a deep dive spoiler discussion about Scream 6 with the guys from Radio Silence. Uh, they were uh, really nice enough to come back onto Real Blend the first time that they directed Scream. Uh, about a year ago at this point now. And now that they're back in theaters with their follow up to it and, and they bring Ghostface to New York City with the original cast, we had a lot of things that we wanted to discuss. Um, you guys will hear up front at the beginning of the interview that this is, uh, again, spoiler filled. So it's really a conversation that you're going to want to listen to after you have gone to the theaters uh, to see Scream 6. But we listened to a bunch of the questions that you guys had. And of course, we had questions ourselves about things that we saw in the trailer. And these guys are really forthcoming uh, with their filmmaking process and their thoughts about the, the franchise in general. Um, without still, you know, they still sort of couch uh, where the franchise might go, because even though this one opened really big, uh, you never really know with the Scream franchise. You know, I personally think they're going to make another one pretty quickly. Um, but this is a, a series that has survived over the decades by knowing when to take a break and and sort of just moving on from there. So either way, with Scream 6, there's a, a ton to discuss we dive into as much of it as we possibly can in the time that we are given. So again, this is a spoiler-filled conversation about Scream 6 with the guys from Radio Silence. Press play on this one, man. Enjoy. It's going to be a good one. It's 12.30 on a Monday, and it still feels like... <laughs> They're not going to adjust the us. numbers like 30 million <laughs> down. Yeah, pretty sure the number one movie in America right now is Everything, Everyone, All at Once. We just have the highest. Yeah. Ah, well played. Well played. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes, fair enough. Uh, guys, it is so good to have you back on the show. Uh, we always get a chance, uh, appreciate the chance to dive into spoilers with you guys and talk the ins and the outs of uh, of the new Scream. When we were talking to you guys last on the show, um, we teased the story from a question that I had asked uh, that you could not tell at the time. I'm going to start there. And it involves the phone call uh, that Samara Weaving was having at the beginning of the movie. Um, with a date that she's on and it's uh, someone giving her directions on where to walk to. Um, and later, so I, I can tell everybody who's listening to this right now, this is a full spoiler conversation. If you haven't seen Scream 6, stop listening now, go see it, come back, listen to all the stuff that these guys talk about. You guys have free reign. Um, it never sounded to me like Tony at all. Um, but is that Tony's voice or is it someone else's voice? What is the story? Because you had a story you said you wanted to tell me. It is Tony's voice. That it is, is Tony's okay. voice on the phone call. But the picture that pops up on the phone when Reggie calls Laura is actually Jimmy Warden, Samara's husband and writer okay. of Cocaine Bear. <laughs> 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 and, and, and their dog Muzzy. He's a dear, he's a dear, dear friend of ours and, and became, you know, we became close with obviously both of them on Ready or Not. But um, it was... Uh, we unfortunately had to, you know, leave Cocaine Bear to do Scream 5. So it felt like just such a fun, like, kind of nod to our love of Jimmy, our love of that movie. Um, and, you know, just a, just a fun little kind of personal anecdote at the at the very oh, top that, of the film. That is really funny. Right, so does that mean great. Cocaine Bear sure. exists within the Scream universe? Shared universe. We definitely should have had a Cocaine yeah. Bear in the subway sequence. Yeah, now we missed that. <laughs> yes. No, no, forward thinking for that. Give the people what they want. Uh, so, guys, uh, you know, Scream fans, obviously, uh, I, th I think, hopefully, drew parallels between the killer motives between uh, Scream 2 and Scream 6, uh, that being the killer being related 
to the killer in the previous film. Um, does that mean that fans going into potentially Scream 7 should expect a similar parallel in that maybe the, the next killer will be related to the Carpenters in some way? <laughs> we have we no can't idea. Tell it. We well, can't tell say, anyone yes. what to let's expect. Just start, like, we don't know what to expect. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Scratching off ideas on a sheet of paper, and they're like, well, shit, there goes that idea. <laughs> was it was that meant to be? Like, uh, were we meant to draw those those sort of parallels? Were we meant to see, like, in, in the sense that, like, they're, they're in both films take place in college, and, and the killer reveal features sort of this idea? Because I, I love Scream 2, and I always loved uh, the Mrs. Loomis uh, character reveal and motive and the idea that she had extensive plastic plastic surgery. Are we supposed to draw sort of those sort of parallels between between two and six in that way? I mean, it was sort of, uh, it wasn't planned. Let's mm -hmm. put it that way. Like when we, the first draft that we read, that was not, those weren't the killers. It was a different motive. It was a whole different thing, you know, uh, but it ended up there and there's something that just felt so right about it. Like as soon as Guy and Jamie pitched us that, we all went, yes, that, that's great. And then keep all the kind of misdirect of, mob mentality online and people, you know, rumors about Sam and all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, it, it, it just kind of happened. Like, I, it, so it wasn't intentional. Yeah. I think our gut, I think our gut was, you know, drafts were coming in the, the family of the core four, you know, Tara, Mindy, Chad was feeling like such a centerpiece that I think when it was pitched that the killers were, were also a family, it just felt the symmetry of that felt really awesome to us. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we now have to follow up on what you guys just told us and ask who were the original killers and what were the original motives? It was pretty much what's in the movie pre finding out that it's Richie's family. It was, that their whole alibi is was basically the motive, right? Is that yeah? You know, it was like it's a, been a while, yeah, but yeah. Sort of a vigilante, yeah, kind of justice, yeah. yeah. Based off mm -hmm. the rumor that started, yeah, that started online. Got it. And I think oh, one okay. of the things that, like, when they pitched, hmm. the, when Guy and Jamie came up with the idea to make it the family, it also did the thing that we always love about the first one is where you kind of get the motive and the this and the that, and then Billy gets really serious and does his like well, let me tell you what it's really about. And even Stu's kind of thrown off. But that idea of like, oh, there's still a card to turn here. Like, it's not over yet was really mm -hmm. cool to us. And it's mm -hmm. emotional. It's like, yeah. regardless of, you connect to it. You immediately are like, oh, shit, this is revenge. This is a, this is personal. It's not about, it's not about like some kind of pop culture or cultural commentary. It's about revenge it's about mm. pain that for us i think was just so key and so important that you can kind of distill you can distill it to a really simple and really you know tragic kind of moment um tyler there were there are two scenes at the end of the film that um kind of resolve some stuff for for two characters uh mason gooding's character uh and then and then gail we hear gail is also doing okay um, and it made me wonder, was there ever a version where Gail didn't do okay? And I kind of wonder, does Courtney have a, any say in that? Like, if Courtney tells you guys in the middle of production, like, hey, this is going to be my last one, do you not have to include a line later on that says, no, Gail's fine. She's okay. She's in the <laughs> hospital. <laughs> no, we we always, 
we always knew Gail would survive. It was, it was never on the table. I think that, um, I mean, I, you know, we're still living with the like residual sadness of, of losing Dewey. <laughs> and it yeah. doesn't mean that yeah. it doesn't mean that we wanted to make a movie that pulled punches, but I, I, you know, Gail, Gail was never on the chopping block. I think at, at one point we had a, um, we had a monologue from her that she was delivering from, from a hospital bed. Uh, but it felt sort of like a hat, a hat on a hat. And like, it was kind of clouding that moment, really the, the sort of end really being about the Carpenter sisters, but she was, mm-hmm. um, she was never on the chopping block for us. Okay. Okay. Uh, guys, I think for me, one of my favorite plot devices that has been introduced in these past two films um, is Sam sort of communicating with Billy through these hallucinations, through the reflection. And obviously you guys bringing back ski, which is fantastic. How he looks the same just frustrates me. Um, Cause the idea of looking the exact same as you did 25 years ago is just annoying. Um, I'm like you is, don't stop it. I promise you, I don't look the same as when I did when screen came out. Um, <laughs> is there any chance that uh, would you guys ever be at all? I feel like now I'm just throwing out hypotheticals a lot. Would you guys be at all interested in bringing back Lori Metcalf uh, for her to start maybe having hallucinations of her grandmother? and seeing Mrs. Loomis around everywhere, because I feel like Mrs. Loomis is a, like a fan favorite that doesn't get enough credit. And I think it'd be just be freaking great to see her reprise that character. Anything's possible. If no, any no, of these no, ideas no, I'm throwing no. out end up in the film, I got to get some kind of a special thanks or like you kill me off in the opening scene. And like, I want something in that. Deal. Deal. Even if it was just an excuse to work with Lori, like I <laughs> sign us up. Has she like, does she, I'm trying to think like, cause obviously she's done so much work since doing scream too. Like, does she talk about scream much? I feel like, like that's just not something that she, that's, I feel like she's Sheldon's mom and, and then obviously was in lady bird, but, um, but yeah, I feel like I don't talk. I hear her talk. If I ever interview her right now, I feel like I have to ask about scream too. That's a really good question. Cause I don't know. I like, I don't know if she's ever at the uh, conventions or anything either for it. So no, that would be a great question to figure out. Well, if I, if I make that connection, we're getting, we're getting a real blue yeah. exclusive. <laughs> Have us on just so we can say hi. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to ask a really quick question and then I want to lead into another uh, question, if you don't mind. Um, does Sam stab Wayne 22 times? <laughs> sorry i just have to call out the Wayne thing it's, it is so hilarious to us that people have picked up on the wayne of it all yeah it's only in the credits right wayne yeah 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 no we love it this is not a negative thing it's just we because we always joke like his name is wayne bailey kind of as a fun thing for us okay and that was because it wasn't in the script either no we made it no it was in the script it yeah. came from the script but it's never in the movie, but then we put it in the credits. But we would joke like, oh, Wayne Bailey. <laughs> so anyway, sorry. I just, so he never gets mentioned by name? He never gets mentioned by name in the movie? Not not Wayne, no. But we like Detective Bailey. Bailey. Yeah. 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 Detective Bailey. Does Detective yeah. Bailey get stabbed 22 times? Oh. If only because I know that <laughs> earlier it gets referenced that she kills more than 22? Yeah. All right, for a reason? 30, 32? How many did we end up with? 37. Or I thought it was... 42? It's like a lot. I thought it was 43, including the eye stab. I think that's right. That sounds right. Is there, there, like, does the MPAA say, like, at a certain point you have to stop? (laughs) Or is that not even discussed? And their guidelines, 44 is the limit. So we like (laughs) to push it. (laughs) 
our, our only marching orders to ourselves going into that scene was that she has to outdo what she did to Richie. Well, I, okay. I don't think we intended it to be almost twice as much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's intense. And I I thought maybe it was mentioned uh, specifically to sort of set that up. But you guys definitely, definitely uh, doubled it up at that point. So this episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. Uh, you guys, between the, this film and, and, and the previous film, continuously are pulling at the thread that there is like something really dark going on inside Sam. And the big question being, I guess, how she's going to choose to channel that. And I'm sort of curious um, if how far down you guys want to take that. And and do you, is, is there potential that like, we're going to see our final girl change sides in some form or fashion? Like, cause if, if the original, you know, screen films were about the evolution of a final girl, like, are we meant to believe that these films are about the evolution of a, of a killer? Like, like how, how dark are you guys imagining Sam is going to get? This is like breaking bad for screen. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I personally, I don't think I'd want to see Sam. I like seeing her embrace it the way she does where, you know, she goes way overkill when she murders people. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, I, I, think I, they, I love, I personally love seeing Sam as a hero and just like really struggling with that dark element. I think that's like, you know, we go almost full star Wars with it. Like the dark side's always calling, but, but you know, you, you need to make that choice every day and, and you need to decide how you want to live. And I think, uh, you know, I think just with Sam moving forward, you know, hopefully she put a little bit of it behind her now and, you know, they're going to get the help they need together. And hopefully that relationship together can bring them forward. But, but, but then again, who knows, like who knows what's next in, in their lives. I'm sure they just went to, Denny's after they left the, the theater and got a good breakfast and then they're going to talk about their therapy schedule and then, then they're going to move on. So it's like, yeah, yeah Denny's, in, they, Denny's in Halloween that. costumes. Yeah. All the stabbing, all the blood was just Halloween. <laughs> not, not real injuries. You guys better be careful because you know, Denny's loves a good breakfast movie tie-in. Like come have the, like you'll scream for our like morning hash browns. Like they love a good, <laughs> yeah, so exactly. you're, you're, you're going to get a pitch from Denny's for scream seven. <laughs> No, but I think really quick, just to talk to that arc a little bit more, I, I we sort of loved the idea that if Sam last movie in five was kind of struggling, struggling to reconcile herself with that, that in this one, she's, she's sort of willing to share it. And I, there was a conversation that we had um, a lot around that moment behind the screen when Tara looks at Sam, when Sam says, I'm not a killer. And she looks at, at her little sister and the little sister's like, Come on, like let's 
fucking go <laughs> that there's a there's a moment of them embracing that there was um was it felt felt like a like the right evolution of of that mm-hmm. story uh chad i'm going to tell you a story that uh and jay can back me up on this there was one point in the middle of the of the news cycle between when you guys found out that that nev wasn't going to come back and 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 then the, the movie has was still had a long way to go and i said to jake i said I think this is bait and switch. I said, I, I think Sydney's ghost face. And, uh, <laughs> and this is all a long con. And Jake was very smart to say, like, if they were really doing that, that's a terrible story to put out into the press <laughs> about her. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? You're probably right. But then there is a line in the movie where it, it Ghostface does say like, Sydney never made sense, you know, as Ghostface, And, uh, but but it made me wonder did, for did you ever at any time even when Sydney was on the board think about like ooh that would be the ultimate twist like if we somehow figure out a way to to give her motivation to become Ghostface did that ever cross your guys' paths? No 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 I I, I no I, I think the best part of <laughs> no? Sydney being Ghostface no yeah, no. But, yeah. Uh, just to be clear um, if, really <laughs> no. Um, though it, you know, though in the original scream, it's like really nice seeing her take off the mask. You know, when she's getting Billy with the with the umbrella and everything like that too. But like besides that, I think just Sydney is just the the ultimate hero. And uh, mm. and you know, I think I think that we have enough other darkness in the movie that we didn't need to go there with 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 Sydney. And I think that that was like part of the character development for Sam Carpenter, I think was to be able to like have to deal with something like that because she is, she, she is not Sydney, you know, and she never was trying to be Sydney. She's a completely different character. Um, so that darkness lives in, in Samantha Carpenter, not in Sydney Prescott. Um, so that, yeah, I I don't ever see Sydney being a ghost face. Okay. We were talking before the show started and and we were sort of saying like, look, like as fans, we want to see Nev come back and we want to see Sydney come back. But at what point is it mean of us? Like if you were to read a news story about a woman who was being chased by six different sets of killers, you would just go like, my God, like this, this poor girl. So at what point, I guess, is it mean of us to just go like, yeah, we want it. We want to keep bringing sitting back. It almost seems rude to the character. Um, I do want to bring up before we let you guys go uh, the shot that in my theater uh, yielded the biggest reaction. And it is the first time in six films we've ever seen two ghost face at one time and not just two ghost face at one time we get the knife wipe. I'm sort of curious uh, at what point did you guys sort of realize like shit, like we've never seen that. And why can't we see that? Like where I'm sort of curious about the origin of that moment. That was in the draft and it was, it was, it read, it was chilling to read. And I think our whole thing was, you know, there's certain moments when you read a script for the first time that really just pop and, you know, whether, whether we actually talk about it or it kind of rears its head later and say, don't fuck up this moment. This moment is really, (laughs) really good. And that was definitely one of them. We knew that it was like, Oh, this is a, this is, this has the opportunity to be like a franchise high in terms of just a single moment where you go, fuck. Um, I will say fun, fun little side fact is that shooting that was very, very, uh, silly, like in the best way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, it's, you don't have the cool score and all the stuff and it's just like, like it's very (laughs) subdued. Yeah. Uh, so some I of our like, were some it, of our it took favorite. Them a lot, it took a while too, to get them to get in sync. And then we're like, guys, they have masks on, just say it. 
Say so you're gonna do it with this white. <laughs> <laughs> like you have masks on. You just say white, <laughs> and that, that's how we got got it at the end. And on, on, but like uh, that's like one of my favorite parts of the movie too. You know, and and we did ask them to take it out of the trailer because we wanted to save it, for, save it for the theater, um, for the movie, which was which was really nice. We knew that was gonna be like the first thing marketing would want to use, but then they did and. We're like, can you please just take it out of the trailer? Let's save it, make it special. Oh, you or can't thank you. show that. Thank you. No. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I know. Yeah. Right. They also the wanted to show the killer in the trailer for some reason. But yeah, that. Well, <laughs> that's another conversation. <laughs> Did they really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, a qu- another quick question before I get to my other question. Uh, I love the ladder scene. I think the ladder scene is a spectacular set piece. Um, who has a ladder that size in a New York City apartment, though? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> but, like, scary enough, like, the guy who came to fix, like, the part of my chimney needed um, the, the spark arrestor put it on it the other day, and then he showed up at the house to fix the chimney, and he pulled out the exact same ladder, and I'm like, what the fuck? And I, I was like, took a picture of it as he was going up. I'm like, <laughs> you don't live in a New York City apartment. <laughs> I, I know, it's I know. Back, though, we, we had chosen uh, was in that location practically and then and then replicated it on the stage. And when the set was being built, we were actually in the process of kind of re- redesigning what that ladder sequence ultimately ended up being. It was it was scripted first as the ladder sequence. And then for production reasons, we were kind of we were going down a path where it was going to be something different. It was there's still going to have a kind of verticality element to it, but it wasn't going to specifically be the ladder, the ladder gag. Mm-hmm. And then a- after running around and around in circles, we realized, well, fuck, it's actually going to be easier to do the ladder thing that was originally scripted. Like we're overcomplicating a thing that was already really perfect on the page. Mm-hmm. And so we pivoted for that we're hoping to God that we'd find a ladder that would fit the practical location. And then what we had of course fabricated on the stage. And that ladder is just like a stock ladder. It was like perfect. Like with, within a foot, it was exactly the length we needed it to be to cross, to cross that. What was ultimately, I think like a 15 and a half foot. Yeah. Sort of, uh, yeah. And um, so, so yeah, I don't, we talked a lot about like is Danny the maintenance guy? Like does he does he do maintenance? For <laughs> trying to sort of reverse engineer, justify that you know why he would have that ladder in the apartment. <laughs> we even right. talked about seeing like painting on the wall in the background, like he was he had been painting the apartment or something. But all of it felt like it. who gives a shit? There's a ladder. Let's get it. <laughs> you know, right, we right, talked right. about him walking yeah. in in the lobby and <laughs> yeah. that With scene the that he was going to have a six pack of cores in the ladder. <laughs> yeah. I honestly just fair, kind of assumed that like, maybe, <laughs> I thought maybe like people in New York, like I was like, Oh, well, if there's a fire, maybe he keeps a ladder to like get out of the apartment. And yeah, that's, that's, that's it. Like, no, you're sure. right. That's it. I knew that's it. it. Sure, that that's, works. That's how I justified right. it in and my then, mind. Before they kick us out. Um, this is our last question. Uh, I, I, I thought I saw something. I just want to ask if it, if it actually happened. Uh, it looks like Kirby gets stabbed in the exact same spot where her scar is. And that Hayden gives like an, a bit of an eye roll. Does that actually happen? <laughs> I don't right know if I've ever spot. noticed the eye roll, but definitely the I same noticed. spot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is it? Love okay. the eye roll. Okay. Though. Wouldn't surprise, by the way, wouldn't surprise us if Hayden did that. Like she is, she's just like that level of connected and, and then thoughtful about her performance. <laughs> gotcha. I have, to, I have to go see it again to see. Um, so again, guys, congratulations. Say on, on another Thanks, huge weekend. Thank and uh, 
I hope that this means that, you know, we get to talk to you guys next year. <laughs> Would you want we another year? Would you want another year to to breathe or are you ready to dive back in? Nice to have a little break. Yeah. Well, continued success, guys. Enjoy this. Awesome. Uh the reviews were terrific. It seemed like everybody really loved the movie and uh and the box office was great. So we're really happy to get a chance to catch Thanks, up with you guys dudes. again. You're Thank you guys so much. Thank the time. You we so love much. you guys. Thank you. Appreciate yeah, you guys. Thanks. Thanks. Take, take care, guys. Thank you so much to Paramount Pictures for moving mountains to make that happen. And thanks so much to the Radio Silence guys for coming back on Real Blend. They are becoming friends of the show. We're always excited to have them on and uh, hopefully we'll continue to follow their filmmaking career as we go. We'll be back with a full show on Friday where we're going to be discussing um, some stuff still from the Oscars telecast. Uh, and we're going to review Shazam Fury of the Gods. And because of that, we're going to have David Sandberg is going to be our guest um, on the um the regular Friday episodes. You guys know the drill. The new show drops on Fridays, so hit subscribe, turn on your notifications, and as soon as the new episode is available, you guys will be the first ones to hear about it. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.